Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a protein, and I love films. As Khalil Gibran once said, you talk when you cease to be at peace with your thoughts and you watch films when it's all a bit too much and you think you need to be taken away from it all. Whoa, are you okay, Khalil Gibran? Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone and even Zed Campbells. But this week it's the wonderful comedian, actor, writer and star of Severance, Mr Adam Scott. This week, full season of Shrinking is available on Apple TV+, Plus. co-created by myself and Bill Lawrence and Jason Siegel. Give it a watch, you'll love it. Ted Lasso, season three, episode five is now out, so you can watch episodes one to five, also on Apple TV+. Plus. Hope you fucking love it. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get an extra 20 minutes of chat with Adam. We laugh a lot, talk about beginnings and endings. There's a secret. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Adam Scott. Adam Scott, you know him from Step Brothers, you know him from Party Down, you know him from all sorts of things, and most importantly, you now know him from Severance, which is an amazing show. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. It's fucking brilliant. We recorded this over Zoom a couple of weeks ago, and it's a banger. I think you're really going to love it, and thank you for listening. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 243 of Films to be Buried With. And welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a writer, a producer, a director, an award winner, a podcaster, a party downer, a Parks and Wrecker, a stepbrotherer, a hero, a legend, a Emmy, multiple Emmy type severancerer. He's a hero. He lives. He walks among us, and now here he is, live, in person, but also pre-recorded. By the time you listen to it, I can't believe he's here. I'm looking him in the eye. I can't believe this is still going on. He's here. He really is. It's Adam Scott! Oh my goodness. I really am here. Adam Scott, what a fucking pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Brett, thank you for having me. It's, it is strange when you listen to a podcast a lot. And you kind of 
get used to the beats and the and the <laughs> format and everything, and then you're there in it. That's pretty on the show. Pretty it's wild. weird. It's great. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to do this uh, podcast and to to talk to you. I'm delighted you're you're doing it, and we'll find out if you really are someone who listens to the podcast. Because <laughs> someone who will remain nameless came on and said they were a fan, and then I told them they died, and they, they said what? And they seemed so shocked <laughs> that that was even part of it. And that's sort fantastic. of kept being like, "Why are we talking about death so much?" And I was like, "Massive, you're a massive." Oh, fan. that's fantastic. Anyway, we're on Zoom. I'm in LA. Where are you? You're in LA. I'm in New York City. Uh, the Big that. Apple. There he is. Have you heard that? I've heard of the Big Apple. Yeah. Yeah. People call it that. I don't know why it's called that. I, I certainly, I, I don't know, but you know what? I love it, and I love calling it that. Oh. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to act like this for the whole show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that. <laughs> Do you? live there normally or are you just there because you're filming i live in la normally and and okay. i'm here shooting severance and i'm away from my family for enormous amounts of time and it's wow. a total bummer but it's super fun making the show so you know I have to figure it out it's a great 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 show I love Severance, and I wanted to talk to you about it only if you're not sick of talking about it, because I'm sure you do lots of press. But I think it's a great show. The cast is amazing. It's brilliant. Thank it's you. clever. It's interesting. I have watched it wondering if it is depressing to make, purely because <laughs> you're in a kind in most of the sets have kind of nothing to look at. You're in quite an enclosed space, often just a few of you. I wonder if your daily life of it, unless everyone's really fun, which I hope they are and they seem to be, it's a show about a grind. Is it a grind to make? Well, it's hard to make. And the way I kind of think about it is it's hard to make, but it should be. I mean, you know, just look at it. It's of course it's hard to make, <laughs> mm. but it's hard in a in a fun, challenging, let's try and climb the mountain sort of way. As far as that stuff goes, yeah, because we're under actual fluorescent lights for yeah. you know 14 hours at a time and we're in that desk kind of pod in the middle of that big room mm. there's that four-pronged kind of desk thing and so the four of us are out kind of in this sea of green carpet under fluorescent lights in these long uh scenes and yeah it it can start to kind of drain you just those lights and like yeah. you said the sort of nothingness of the space and the the uh, aggressive green carpet it does sort of drain your your energy uh after a while but you know luckily everyone's super fun like you said it's it's a great group of uh group of people i remember an interview with you very long time ago this isn't i'm not about to like ruin your life it's not like i remember a very racist thing you said no it was you did uh you were talking about years ago you did an hbo show before you were kind of very well established and it was like a sex show and it was very dramatic yeah. and you you'd felt like oh, fuck i don't think this is what i want to be doing and luckily it didn't carry on and then you got into comedy and you felt like this was your place to Right? I'm not miss. Well, no, yeah, I think you're remembering it correctly. It, it was a it was a really good show. It uh it was called Tell Me You Love Me and it was really kind of the beautifully made and and it wasn't 
exploitive. It was mm. very kind of graphic sexually for sure. And, uh, and, and, and the person I had all my scenes with was Sonia Walger, who's this brilliant actor and we became good friends and stuff. She's so great. And the people that created her are great and stuff. I think it was just really super, super heavy. And right. when I went and did like Step Brothers, I think we we had done the first season of Tell Me You Love Me. And then on hiatus, before we were going to start season two, I did Step Brothers. And, and I hadn't really had a, had an opportunity to to really like be in a comedy like that before it was pre party down pre parks and rec. And, and so, but driving to work at stepbrothers, it was like, wow, this is, this is very yeah. different. Uh, this is really fun. And, you know, just trying driving to work, trying to figure out how you're not going to laugh and ruin takes that day rather than driving to work, trying to figure out how you're going to cry all day. It just was a, it was yeah. a sort of a, 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 a a weight off and, and, uh, and it kind of got me sort of, you know, addicted to, to comedy and really, I don't know, I guess I, I, I felt like it, it gave me a, a new lease on, cause I wasn't sure, you know, every like five or seven years, I don't know if you do this, but every five or seven years, you kind of stop and wonder if you want to be doing this. Yeah. Does that happen to you? <sighs> it's a weird question only in that I always know I want to be doing some area of this, the making yeah. stuff. But in terms of the lane you're in, I suppose it's difficult. It, it sort of depends on your choices, though, as well. Like, yeah, no, you're right I because you, because I, I'm talking specifically about acting, but then there's writing and doing all these other things. I think with acting, because that's what I started out mm. doing when I was like 20. I'm now in 2023, in my 30th year of wow. trying to do this professionally. I think that <laughs> I was going after it. I was just a kid and going after yeah. it so hard. And I think at a certain point, I realized I was like 12 years in and I had never stopped to consider if I even wanted to still be doing this. It was just like trying to yeah. achieve something. So anyway, it's a long cul-de-sac away from just trying to say like the stepbrothers and party down in parks were the, this sort of triumvirate of jobs that kind of gave me a new lease on it and, and, mm. and on, on the profession and made me really kind of really realize how much I wanted to, to be doing this at a time that, that I had uh, been doubting it. So then I guess my question is with Severance, which is funny, but it's definitely a drama, I would say. It's very funny, but it's definitely yeah. a drama. Yeah. You Was it just fucking hell, this is really good, I want to do this, or what was part of it? I'd like to head back into that dramary place. Was it more conscious on that way? Yeah, I think it was. I think when Parks and Rec ended, I wanted to find something just different and and then, you know, found that trying to find things that weren't comedy or, or try and get jobs that weren't comedy was challenging. And yeah. so I went and auditioned for Big Little Lies and and got a part on that. And that kind of helped. And then and then uh, Ben Stiller sent me Severance. And it was just sort of the exact exactly the sort of thing that I've always been, you know, wanting to do and. Because as a kid, I was really into 
you know, the Twilight Zone and stuff like that. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, my first instinct when I first read it was, I will never get this job, you know, yeah, <laughs> just because I've, I've been in this business long enough to know that when you read something that's kind of, that's great, I'm not going to end up doing it. And so, <laughs> but I had to think about it in a, in a way that, you know, that I've been spending all these years earning the mm. chance at something like this. So luckily I ended up doing it and, uh, and it was exactly what I wanted to, to, to try I mean, and do, like you said. You're, you're phenomenal in it. You're very, very, very good in it. Thanks. Uh, season two, are you now like, man, I want to get back to comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's, uh, you know, it is fun because we're, you know, it, it, it has a really unique tone and there's a lot of funny stuff in it, but a lot of it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's heavy. It would be fun to go and do something that, a little lighter on its feet, for sure. Well, let's uh, we can sort that out. Actually, that's not a problem. And, um, <laughs> I uh, I have forgotten to tell you something. Oh, what what's going on? No, it's it's silly because I think I mentioned it earlier as to, talking about someone else, but then I forgot. That should have sort of sparked it for me. But it's been a busy week. There's been a lot going on, and I, that's that's yeah. on me. That's actually on me, Adam. So I'm sorry. Like, oh. it's not your problem. I just think I've been a bit distracted. But that's all right. No, well, you're very kind to have taken the time to do this, and I should have just said it. You, you are said you're dead. You died. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. oh, sorry. Good How lord. Did you, yeah. How did you die? Uh, well, now that I am kind of thinking back on it because when you said that it was a surprise obviously because i yeah you could hear the, how i reacted but now that i'm really <laughs> thinking about it i think you're right i think i Ooh. died mm. i wouldn't lie to you oh my god no you you're telling the truth by mm. god you you're right yeah no i i died i oh god it's <laughs> it's actually embarrassing it's, oh, it's no. embarrassing. Yeah. Lucky it's you're not, dead then, it, I suppose. No, what it's not it? one of those uh, deaths that just sort of projects dignity. Uh, in, in, <laughs> in, it's a, No, it's a real bummer. Um, I was on a train, an Amtrak train. Mm-hmm. This is one of those really long trips. Sometimes you can take, like, if you go from Arizona to, to Northern California, it's like a 36-hour Wow. Uh, Amtrak, right? Yeah, it takes a long time. So I was on the train. It was it was a long trip, and so I had to use the restroom. I had to just kind of freshen, go in there, and and uh, kind of brush my teeth and and do all the how things many, you do before bed. How many hours were you into the trip? It was about sixteen hours in, and and, and wow. I decided to to go to bed. I had I'd gotten one of the first class cabins that right. you spend money on thinking it's going to be a luxurious thing, but it's basically a, a metal box with beds that fold down from the, from the wall and it's uncomfortable and incredibly loud. Right. And I went into the, the bathroom to brush my teeth and, and do all that stuff. And I needed to change into my pajamas. And as I was changing, I was taking my shirt off. I had no, no bottoms on because I was going to put on uh pajama bottoms mm-hmm. and I was taking the shirt off and the shirt got caught on a hook on the wall, I guess a hook for a towel or something. And so okay. it was caught up over my head. And as I stepped around to try and c- kind of free myself from the hook, I stepped mm-hmm. into the toilet. 
Oh, no. Uh, yeah. And then I lost my balance. Oh, and no. I, it's a very small bathroom. Mm. I fell sideways and hit my head on the side of the sink, right. ejected my foot from the toilet, right. and then fell face first into the toilet. Your head was still stuck in the sweater. Head still stuck in the sweater, yeah. but now it's all in the toilet. Oh. And my sweater plugs up the toilet oh, no. and it fills with that that blue liquid that yeah. is in, and and i uh drowned in blue turd liquid wow. uh, other than that sweater caught around my face that i drowned in i was yeah. completely nude <laughs> jesus i'm so sorry that is yeah the problem with dying like that is unfortunately you've done so much work in your life You've done so much great, great work. You've done classic series and, and made excellent films. And that's what you're going to be remembered for. Yeah, 100%. That's, mm. that's the only thing I'll be remembered for, which is why I'm, I'm so bummed out about it. That is a, that is a bummer. Oh, well, do you, do, you, uh, do you worry about death? I do. It's been a preoccupation of mine s since I was like 14 years old, I think. Right. That's what I like to hear. What, do you? Uh, That's the bread and butter of this, this show, isn't it? I don't trust people who don't think about it. What I mean, with it, I hope this isn't a dark answer. It may be, and that's fine. If it is, did something happen when you were fourteen, or did it? It was when you started thinking about it. I remember I was homesick. I had like a, a flu or something, and so I was just home mm -hmm. by myself. And I started thinking about what if I got cancer. It's not unheard of for a 14-year-old to get cancer. It totally happens. Maybe that's what's going on with me now. And it's, maybe it's not a flu. Maybe I have cancer. What would happen if I had cancer? There's a chance I would die. I could die. And, and I just started going down that rabbit hole of this being a distinct possibility, never having really considered that before as yeah. a kid. And from then on, I remember for the first few years after this, this revelation that I'd sort of privately made, uh, when I saw some, I remember going to see Young Guns in the theater and seeing people get shot and just being like, oh my God, every single one of them died. They died. Oh God. Dead for forever. Those people are all dead. And so death was just very much at the forefront of my mind for for years and years and i guess it still is it's just it's more i've more kind of accepted it but it still freaks me out <laughs> what do you what do you think happens when you die do you think there's anything beyond this life i don't at all think there's anything wow but there's also that thing in the back of anyone's mind that sort of you have this kind of ongoing fantasy of what it would be if it did. It's almost like this denial, even though I do not believe in ghosts or spirits or anything like that. And in fact, I'm always surprised at how how many people do. Not that I, I, I completely respect anyone's <laughs> belief in that, but I always am so surprised when like people, uh, grown-ups believe in ghosts and stuff. It always is weird, but I think people legitimately have these experiences that uh, that leads them to that, which which totally makes sense, I guess. What's your fantasy version then? Just this sort of thing where you're you're just sort of forever 
around and and looking down on everything and kind of all knowing and I don't know. I guess it's sort of ill-defined. It's just sort of this, this like a sort uh, of uh, voyeur on a cloud. Y- yeah, y- yeah, not a cloud as much as just sort of up in the corner of the upper corner of a room. <laughs> just that's sort terrifying. of <laughs> that's awful. Just hanging out in the corner of the room, watching with an erection. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, still nude from the waist down and yeah. a sweater over my head. Just trying to get through the shitty water in your sweat. Have a lick. What's going, right. what's going on in the other corner? Um, <laughs> I'm going to move over to the other corner and <laughs> and watch from there. What, what about you? Oh, well, you know, I, I know exactly what happens. Uh, do you want to know? Yeah. Well, there's a heaven, buddy boy. There is. Going, okay, there is. You go there okay, for great. listen. You go there for a bit until you want to, you know, have another go on the old... Uh, on the ride. It's like it's, wow. it's like uh, Soul. It's like the Pixar film Soul, in which they know exactly what's going on. Wow. Anyway, you're welcome in heaven. They're actually, one of the things we had a chat about in heaven, we were like, will we talk to him about anything else other than the way he died? And we all decided, <laughs> no, this is heaven. We should, we should, we should not. Let's that avoid subject. that subject. Yeah. He, he gets a lot of that when he's up in the corner watching people in the world. It's all <laughs> anyone's talking about. So you're very, very welcome there. And heaven is filled with your favorite thing what's your favorite thing movies well then you've come to the right place oh great everyone wants to talk to you about your life but they want to talk about it through the medium of film and the first thing they want to know is what is adam scott the first film you remember seeing well the first film i have a clear memory of seeing in a movie theater i remember people telling me i had seen snow white but i don't remember that the first one I have a clear rem- uh, memory of seeing was High Anxiety, the Mel Brooks film. Oh, wicked. I love You're, that film. You, do, yeah, and it's not one of the like Mel Brooks movies that he's really mm. known for, that, that's really kind of, you know, in the culture as much as like Blazing Saddles and History of the World and stuff. It, and it's really funny and really well yeah put, like it's really but as a like a four or five year old or whatever i was it scared the shit out of me because the whole movie is him kind of replicating hitchcock films and d- different scenes from hitchcock movies and a little like james bond because like jaws is in it the, the guy with the silver yeah. teeth and but I didn't know any of that. I didn't know Hitchcock or any of any of those references. So to me, it was just insanely scary. Uh, so much so that I found it on Amazon a couple of years ago, having not seen it since then, and put it on it and found those two scenes that I remembered so well. And I remember in the movie theater losing my mind and just screaming and freaking out and my dad having to pick me up and carry me uh, out of the th- my dad's a, a terrific dad and i i think that he thought we're going to go see a hilarious mel brooks yeah. movie and it happened to be the one where they're where it's you know essentially a hitchcock movie for all intents That's and purposes very sweet. are you an only child no i have a sweet. older brother and older sister and they were there and and were embarrassed and bummed out that I was ruining their uh, Saturday afternoon. So you, your dad took you out, but they stayed in? I guess so. As far as I remember, yes. They were like, get him out of here. Uh, <laughs> let's. We want to watch this, this movie. I, I love High Anxiety. I really, really love the song he sings in the lounge. 
the song that is the name of the film. It's like one of my favorite sequences. See, I don't, I don't remember that. Well, you probably didn't get that far. You is that is it Mel Brooks that sings it in the? Is it in the lobby of the hotel? It's like a lounge, like he's like a lounge singer. Oh, okay, like he's okay, sort okay. Of, he's, it's, it's like the setup is like, you have to sing and he doesn't want to and it's all embarrassing. And then he's like an incredible sort of lounge singer. <laughs> and it's no, very funny. I don't funny. remember that. Look up the song, it'll make you happy. Now, other than high anxiety, what's the film that scared you the most, Adam Scott? Do you like being scared? Yes, and I, I like, uh, I love horror movies. Yes. Do you? Love them. Yeah. Ama- amazing how many people don't on this podcast. No, I love horror movies, like good horror movies. I mean, you know, of course, good horror movies. But I think Hereditary is the 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 most recent movie that's genuinely terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, 100%. Scared the shit out of me. Oh, Fuck my me. God. Yes. How long yeah. had it been since a movie really fun? I mean, I guess The Strangers, is that the one from like 10, 12 years ago? Uh, with, that uh, one fucked with me Tyler. up too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible. That was scary too. But hereditary was really fucked up. But I think I remember as a kid, it was a TV miniseries. That doesn't really count, does it? Can do. I might allow it. Let me hear it. The Atlanta Child Murders. It was a oh. miniseries on, on primetime television. Okay. It scared the shit out of me because I guess there were these things called the Atlanta Child Murders. <laughs> and it, it was it was based on a real thing that happened. And I just remember watching it and seeing a car pull up above a ravine that went down into a creek and the, someone just tossing like a burlap sack out of yeah. the car and it just rolled down the hill and landed in the creek. <laughs> the insinuation being that there was a child in that burlap sack and I was a child and it scared the shit. I, I was up till one in the morning for years worrying about the Atlanta child murders. Um, after that you know hereditary yeah. is the film where there are people in the corners of the ceiling that's right tony collette's which, in the corner which is how you want how you think death is that's right maybe you're, maybe you're on something yeah maybe. isn't she like sawing her, her own head off when she's up in the corner god it's scary it's really Ugh, scary it's so scary <laughs> it's terrific. It's really good. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. What is the film? That makes you cry the most. Do you like crying? Do you cry? Yeah, and I, I do cry quite a bit watching movies. It's real easy to get me to cry. Yeah. 
uh, I have kids. So ever since we started, since we had our first kid, which is like 16 years ago now, uh, anything wow. with like kids, I cry. But I remember in the movie theater really having a solid good cry at the the movie In Her Shoes. Oh, my God. What, the uh, Curtis Hansen film with yes. Cameron Diaz? Yeah. Yes, and Tony, and Tony Collette. Collette. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? I have seen that, and they're sisters. They're sisters. And it was yet another Curtis Hansen film that was completely, completely different from the last Curtis Hansen yes. film. Yes, completely different and equally... He just done like The River Wild or something. He did The River Wild, then he did LA Confidential, and then he did In Her Shoes or something. In Her like Shoes. Yeah. And I think it's just as masterful as LA Confidential. It's just he's zeroing in on a period of uh, the, the life of these two sisters yeah. who are super different and do everything they can to hurt each other as much as they can and just can't connect. And so they decide to stop speaking for a period of, of time. And then at the end, Tony Collette's getting married and Cameron Diaz speaks, uh, to, uh, reads a poem at her wedding. And this whole relationship sort of, you know, before the wedding, they kind of come back together and she spends all of this time with Shirley MacLaine at an old folks' yeah. home in Florida. That's where she kind of finds her humanity again, in a way. And then the sisters come back together, and at the wedding, she reads this E.E. E. Cummings poem, and I just lost it. It was so beautiful, and I love that movie. It's a great movie. I never loved the title. I always thought the title kind of gave the movie short shrift. It makes it sound silly or something. Yeah, it makes it sound like they're swapping swapping jobs. <laughs> yes, but it's a it's a terrific movie, and it I, I, every time I see it, I I lose it at the end. That's so great, Adam. That film has not come up at all. Yeah, in all the years of doing this, that's great. What is the film that you love? Not critically acclaimed. Most people don't like it, but you love it. Whatever anyone says. Well, I kind of feel like this movie. I don't know. I, I feel like people generally like this movie or, or everyone knows it super, super well. But I feel like it's frowned upon and and people turn their noses up at this movie, particularly when compared with the one that came before and the one that came after. It's always sort of looked down upon. And that's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right. So. I have a, a my friend Jake Tapper, the newscaster, Yes. Can't believe. Yeah. Okay. Can't believe how. Sorry. Siri was just, I think, listening out for Jake Tapper. (laughs) (laughs) Jake Tapper. Let's see if it happens again. (laughs) Um, Can't believe how much, because I, for me, it, it's my favorite movie. It's not what I, it's not, you know, what I think is the greatest movie ever made, but I may as well, because it's my favorite movie because I was 11 when it came out. And I still can't believe how incredible it is uh, watching it. It's from that first crazy musical number. The movie does not stop. Um, I mean, there are things in it that have not aged as well as other things in it. And I think that's all, you know, you got to just roll with that. But I love it so much. It's it's my favorite Indiana Jones movie and maybe my favorite movie. Uh, Wow. Yeah, I, I can't get enough of it. That's cool. Do you uh, like that movie? I do. I mean, I I, I, I haven't watched that one in a while. I assume yeah. there's all kinds of problematic things in it. 
But yes. I definitely remember that it's a proper fucking action, brilliant action sequence after action, action sequence. It's it's crazy how these yeah. those sequences. I, I, I still can't believe. I, I don't know how they did it. Yeah, I think I have big soft spot for the Last Crusade because I like yeah. the story. I like the I like them together very much, and the ending makes me cry when he when he tells go. him to let go. I yeah. Know. Because they they have that really tough relationship. And, you know, now knowing more about Spielberg and seeing Mm. the relationships with his parents and Fablemans, that relationship makes a lot more sense. I mean, it always made sense, but it it makes sense in the context of Spielberg. And I remember him apologizing for Temple of Doom when Last Crusade was coming out. And that hurting my feelings <laughs> oh listen if you've ever heard this podcast i get my feelings are hurt whenever spielberg says hook isn't very good i made a mistake with hook i'm like what are you talking about it's a fucking masterpiece right what are you doing like? right you don't know anything. right Hook's the best right and that's what it's it's about what it means to whoever watches it yeah i think that's so beautiful it's beautiful that In Her Shoes means that much to you because it is not a film that... I don't think anyone's talked about it in 10 years and this film was oh, really? that has stuck with you. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like it. What is the film, on the other hand, that you used to love but you've watched it recently and you've thought, I don't like this anymore? And it might be just because you've changed. I whittled it down to three and okay. I'm just going to pick one of them right now. And I think it's... Red Dawn, <laughs> the the nineteen eighties one, obviously. When I was a you know at thirteen or whatever, when it came out, I went to see it over and over again because I, I it was so frightening because that was at the height of the Cold War and we were all scared of the Soviet Union and stuff. And but I remember trying to watch it a couple of years ago, and it. You know, when you watch a movie that just clearly isn't holding up and you're not even sure it still qualifies as a movie, like it's just (laughs) so haphazard and doesn't seem to really hold together in any real way, which doesn't mean it's bad or anything. I just also I didn't really remember anything from it. And I remember going to see it over and over again. Also, it's just so jingoistic and that kind of raw raw america thing right in the middle of you know the ronald reagan 80s and stuff i now find it deeply (laughs) offensive whereas then (laughs) i just thought it was kick-ass it's weird that stuff because you you saw it so many times there are films particularly from the 80s where you go like oh i was obsessed with this film and then you watch it now and you go it's barely coherent yeah so so how come you didn't notice that and is it like just the hype of it and getting caught up in it's weird that you didn't know when you watched it a million times, this doesn't even make sense. I think the show, and I love John Milius too, and I, I'm pretty sure he directed that. I just remember the teacher walking out because during English class, a bunch of air troopers parachute down onto like the football field at the high school, and the teacher goes out to ask them what's going on. And they shoot him with a machine gun, and his shirt sleeves with his tie just burst into all the squibs go and it look and he just gets shot and and it just scared the shit out of me and seeing the teacher get murdered in front of the kids and then them all running out into a truck and and go, it just like the day after was another thing that scared everybody uh all the yeah. kids growing up at that time so i think it was more the 
emotional charge of you know, the Soviet sense. Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. and you know when you're 11 or 12 years old, you're not uh, as discerning or demanding an audience member. You know. <laughs> what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is great, but the experience you had seeing it will always make it special to you. When I was in junior high school and elementary school, I told my mom I wanted to be a film critic when I grew up. And, uh, and she, she was like, well, you should. You should write movie reviews. And, and so I started writing movie reviews for the school paper in junior high. And I would do them sometimes in high school. But then I, but in, in junior high, when I was like 13, 12, 13, I really started doing that. And they didn't ask for them. I would just write movie reviews and give them to them. And, right. and they would just put them in because no one else was doing. But my mom would bring me to movies so I could write the reviews. And I remember Good Morning Vietnam in particular being one from that period that was really mm -hmm. fun. And it was it was Robin Williams really breaking out in in sort of a somewhat dramatic movie. It was yeah. it was pre-Dead Poet Society. It was his first sort of, it was kind of his his crossover yeah. movie into uh, right. like Oscar, you know, prestige material or whatever. And it's a really great Barry Levinson movie, but I just, and, and, but it's also super, super funny. Robin Williams kind of improvising as a radio DJ. And I just remember the, that that period of time with my mom was really special because she would, she would take me to all these movies, Mosquito Coast and Platoon and all these movies from that, from that period. That's nice. <laughs> what a nice story. Yeah. <laughs> what is the film that you most relate to? You know, I remember when I saw Defending Your Life feeling like, oh, that's, that's how I feel about everything. Really? You know? Yeah. And I was, I think I was 17 years old and I had seen Lost in America and I had seen Modern Romance, but that was the one that just hit me at the right time. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is my guy. Yeah, that was that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And, and it had to do with death and life after death and his yeah. clearly his anxiety about all of that. And he kind of put it into this this uh, kind of perfect movie. I would imagine that movie comes up quite a bit on the show. I've heard it once or twice. So you were like, of all the people, Albert Brooks, you were like, this is my brain. Yeah. I mean, I had grown up really loving and connecting with like Steve Martin and Letterman particularly. And, right. and uh, those were like my guys. But Albert Brooks was this new gear. And Woody Allen as well was one that I had always loved as a kid. And but then Albert Brooks was sort of this new gear. And then going back and watching Lost in America and being like, oh, I get this now. I wasn't quite connecting with this when I was, you know, nine or whenever yeah. I saw it. And Albert Brooks, you know, obviously is one of the great comedy minds ever. I, defending your life will always be sort of my favorite, I think. Forgive me for not knowing this, but I also don't live in America. But that's no excuse. Have you ever done, did you ever do Letterman, having been a huge fan of his? Yeah, I did. I got to do it uh, twice. Oh, great. How was that? It was really amazing. I, uh, I I couldn't believe it was happening. I really, it, it, and, and I didn't say it on the show because I figured it kind of goes against everything that yeah. 
like you don't want Letterman to react to you saying one of the reasons I'm doing this in the first place is so I could sit here with you, yeah. you know? So I didn't say anything like that. I didn't, but I, but I, it. I used to sit on my bed, fashion it, make it like a couch and pretend I was talking to David Letterman as, as, as a kid. It was, and so, yeah, I did. I finally, my, I got my brother to come out to New York so he could be there and, because uh, we were both uh, in the Letterman together, and so was Letterman a, a a big deal for you growing up in the UK? I knew he was, yeah, because I was always sort of into American stuff, but it wasn't like we had it. Yeah, we, you didn't, didn't you could, didn't have day. access to it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm aware of what he means. That's very cool. What is? Uh, are we doing this now? Yeah, why not? It's the one people. It's the only reason people tune in. <laughs> What's the sexiest film you've ever seen, Adam Scott? I think it's Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Good answer. Yeah? Good film. Great, great movie. Good God. It's one of my favorite movies. And and I think also just at the time, you know, the, it hitting me at a particular time. And, and the fact that the main character is impotent and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's just my that's absolutely my way in. I mean, I am you know, you 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 had me at impotent. Um, Sign me up, Cyberman. <laughs> Excuse me, did someone say impotent? <laughs> um, I'll take two tickets. <laughs> so that just sort of as a sort of starting place, the main character being impotent, and it then proceeding to be this sexually charged, super intellectually erotic movie. Just the relationship and the sort of chemistry between, I hate the word chemistry because I think it's overused. People talking about chemistry between actors. And I think usually people don't know what they're talking about, but the whatever it was that was happening between he and Andy McDowell, it was really special. And and then also what was happening between Laura San Giacomo and Peter Gallagher, Peter yeah. Gallagher and James Spader had a really weird electric, Ooh. aggressive former friendship. You could tell it was already dead, but there's this kind of violence to the way they spoke to each other. And then uh, Laura San Giacomo and, and, and Annie McDowell, all those, those four, there's just all this, uh, really interesting energy flying around. And uh, yeah, and there's nary a sex scene to be, I, I guess there sort of is, but no nudity or anything. It's just, I remember, uh, yeah. It's mostly sexy talk, isn't it? Yeah. What's your issue with people saying chemistry between actors? Oh, I, I just feel like, um, I feel like sometimes I, and, and I guess it's more sort of entertainment press talking about, or, 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 critics sometimes, I guess, talking about the chemistry between actors or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like it's not fair and it's completely subjective. Like, how do you know that there is no chemistry between these people? And what does that even mean? I think that, and, and, and sometimes there is chemistry on, on screen and, and there's something going on, but off screen, there's not and and, and vice versa. I think it's Mm -hmm. more subjective than I think sometimes it's talked about, particularly by press and and, and right. stuff. Uh, talked about as being something more tangible than it actually is. I think it's more subjective. 
yeah, sometimes the actors aren't even in the same room. It's just right. a very good edit. It's a very chemistry Exactly. Edit. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I think like, Interesting. Well, okay. you don't know what you're, t- yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a subcategory, troubling boners, worrying why don'ts. A film you found arousing, you weren't sure that you should, Adam Scott. What was it? I guess it was because I was a little kid, but nine to five really nine to five. got me going. Lily Tomlin, Dolly yes. Parton, and Jane Fonda. Not a predominantly sex film. What what was what was throwing you off about that? Was it women working? Women having a job? You were like, yeah, women. I shouldn't be into this. Women working and and like tying up. Like getting the guy, like Dabney Coleman, mm. they take him hostage or something. I mean, I don't think I've yeah. seen it since, but I remember looking at the ad in the newspaper and seeing the three of them with glasses and pads of paper surrounding Dabney Coleman. And they're all so cute and they have these cool outfit, like business suits on and stuff and just yeah. staring at it and not understanding the feelings it was giving me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think right. if you find that original movie poster, you'll understand exactly what I mean. I tell you, he wasn't impotent between nine and five, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> what is objectively the greatest film of all time? Obviously not Temple of Doom. What's the greatest? Not your favorite. We're not talking Temple of Doom, unless you also think Temple of Doom is the greatest. Well, I don't want to say The Godfather or Goodfellas, because I feel like you probably get that or have gotten that a lot. And it's sort of like... I don't think I get Goodfellas enough. Oh, really? If that's your... If if that's... What was your answer going to be? You must speak your truth, Adam. My truth, it changes for me right now. I think it might be The Verdict. Oh, wow. Great show. I don't think that's been picked. It's a great, really great movie. Yeah. And it's sort of out of time. It doesn't feel like it's of a period, really. The filmmaking is so, so sort of staid and still. I don't even know if there's much music in it. It's a really quiet, great movie with maybe the best performance that's ever been on film. I don't know. It's a pretty perfect movie the 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 other one that i was maybe gonna say is reds because i think reds is unbelievable but i think the verdict may be for me love that answer you just think it's fucking perfect just perfectly done yeah and it's not as you know Mm. it's not the as wide in scope and 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 everything as as some of the big grand greatest movies of all time that I usually think of when I try and think, but I, I, I think the scale doesn't really matter. It's it's what you're trying to do and what you're attacking and how well you do that. And I don't think they take a uh, a wrong step anywhere. And this, the David Mamet script is, yeah. there isn't a, a, a syllable out of place. It's perfect. And, uh, and like I said, that, that lead performance and Jack Warden's performance, it's all perfect. Great, great answer. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Maybe Midnight Run. Great, great film. I haven't seen seen that run in a long time. Holds up, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It also doesn't feel of of a time. I think the music is really, for whatever reason, it's a Danny Elfman score. And it's it feels a little out of time. It doesn't sound 80s. It's... Mm. 
I mean, there's some like saxophone and some like bluesy guitar, but not in an eighties. So you know how like some movies, yeah. like the Tootsie is a perfect movie, but it has that montage in the middle with like a Christopher Cross song or something. Yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. so weird. Um, or now it's weird, but Midnight Run has this super like cartoony action comedy score. And I did, I, I love that movie. I think, you know, I figured that was one you might get a lot too, but, but it is, it's a pretty perfect movie as well. Don't like to be negative, Adam, so do it quick. What's the worst film you've ever seen? I remember as a kid going to see Jewel of the Nile. Yeah. The sequel to Romancing the Stone. Yeah. And having loved Romancing the Stone so much and being so excited for Jewel of the Nile. And I remember I, I couldn't have been older than 12 years old. I walked out. No. I walked out of Jewel of the Nile. Maybe it's not that bad. Like I said, I went and saw Temple of Doom probably yeah. 19 times. I, it's the uh, Temple of Doom of Romancing the Stone. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't take it. Be, wow. Bad, And I love bad movies. I, I, I love bad movies. So trying to figure out what the worst movie is ever yeah. is, is tough because I seek them out. I enjoy right. them. But I think that's the one that I remember being so excited for and and just immediately feeling like I was getting ripped off. Do you remember that being a fun movie or a good movie? I, I haven't seen it in years, but I saw it when I was a kid and I, and I loved it. And it's got, when the going gets tough, stuff get going, Billy Ocean. You're right. It does have that. I think That's I just right. remember the music video more than the... Because <laughs> I'd seen that music video so yeah. many times and was so charged up to see this yeah. movie because of the Billy Ocean video. Them all in white suits doing a synchronized dance. Yep. Absolutely. Turner, Douglas, well, DeVito. That's right. That was in the same period as Dancing on the Ceiling, too. Yeah. Suits. And Running Scared, where they have the Michael McDonald song where they're in the tropics. It was kind of a, a milieu of the time. Good time for that stuff. You're in comedy. You're very funny. You're a professional. What's the film that made you laugh the most? The aforementioned Defending Your Life was deeply, deeply funny. The Past Lives Pavilion, I remember. My friend and I going to see it twice the first day we saw it because we had to see that scene again. But I, I, I think since I've already mentioned that movie, I think as a kid, like a little kid, like seven, eight years old, my mom brought me to my, my Holy Grail, Monty Python's Holy Grail. And oh, great. I, at a revival theater. And I think I, I remember like falling out of my chair at, during the, the It's Only a Flesh Wound scene. And, and yeah. just, of course, you know, that's a great movie for kids. I mean, it's yeah. disgusting and bloody, but any, any, any kid would love, because you feel like you're breaking a rule of some sort watching this movie. And it's so, so funny and just great. The filmmaking too is Really, really good filmmaking. Really good. All of their films. Life of Brian yeah. is a fucking masterpiece yeah. in every Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, that is a great film. Forget yeah. the comedy, forget everything. I'm like, that is such a well-made film. I totally agree. They were doing, like, handheld stuff yeah. out in in the forest. And so, it was so fun. So good. Adam Scott, you have been an absolute pleasure and a joy. However... When you were on uh, your 36-hour train journey, Amtrak, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and uh, you were 16 hours in, and you thought, probably time for bed, I pulled down your slab of a bed off the wall, uh, you went to pull your jumper off, sweater, sorry, you put yeah. your foot in the toilet, 
you got your head caught, you banged your head, you fell, got your foot out of the toilet, fell forward, head first into the toilet, got your head stuck in the toilet. And as the blue liquid often used to denote a period in a advert for that's uh, right. tampons. So that same exact liquid. Yes. I mean, you know, so Sandra Tass. I do know yeah. the difference. Thank you. Uh, the blue uh, liquid filled, it was quite a uh, cashmere sweater, actually, wasn't it? And it really Yes, it up. was cashmere. Yeah. Thanks so for So you were that. sort of, <laughs> it was a lovely sweater. And, uh, and it blocked your hair, which basically waterboard. Lovely. You, you basically uh, waterboarded yourself in the, in the shitty water. Yeah. Anyway, took ages for you to die. I was waiting to pick you up when you arrived. So this was, oh, God, 16 hours later, I think. Everyone gets off yeah. the train. I'm like, I don't think Adam got off the train. I've got a coffin with me. You know what I'm like? So I sort of say to the guy, can I just pop in, check on my, check on Adam? Yeah. Knock on your thing. Anyway, I find you. You have swelled up to the size of four Adam Scotts. Ugh. Just filled with blue shit blue. water. All blue, yeah. Yeah, and you're completely blue. You look like uh, Violet Beauregard in um, the end of Johnny and the Chocolate Factory. And uh, anyway, so me and the guy, I say, have you got one of them sort of fire axes, you know? He says, yeah, yeah cool. So we come in, we start chopping into you. Shit, and blue is going everywhere. Yeah. Turds. Anyway, turds just hitting the guy in the face. I'm so sorry about my friend, I keep saying. Anyway, chop you up, get all the bits of blubber. There's basically blubber now and putting you all in the in the coffin. But there's so much more of you than I was expecting. Yeah. So I have to really jam it all in. Yeah. There's no room in this coffin. There's enough room to slip one DVD into the side for you to take across yeah. to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show when it's your turn, Adam Scott? I think that movie that would go, and it's going to go well because it has sort of a blue theme color-wise. The palette of the movie is yeah. predominantly blue. I think I might bring Heat with me. Great. Yeah. All right. That's a fun movie to watch. Great movie. You got time for it as well. It's long. It's long. Three hours. You're dead. You're in heaven. You got time. Yeah. Watch it over and over again. Adam Scott, what a delight. Thank you so much for doing this. Brad, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful you did it, man. Is there anything you would like to tell people to watch, listen to, look out for coming up? Season three of Party Down is currently out. The season finale is March 31st, I think. So that might be in the past by the t- time this comes out, but they'll all be out there and available on the Stars app if you want to watch them. It's a fun season. Other than that, nothing. Just keep listening to uh, this terrific podcast. How about that? God bless you. And Severance will be back soon. Severance will be back uh, soon ish at some you point. Don't okay. I don't know. I'm all right. Yeah. But uh, uh, Ted Lasso's coming back. In two days from when we record this. Yeah, fantastic. That's exciting. It is exciting. Cannot wait. Thank you. Adam Scott, God bless you. Have a wonderful death. Thanks, man. Thank you for your time. I never thought dying would be so extraordinary and rewarding. Lovely thing to say. Good night. Good night. That was episode 243. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra chat, secrets and video with Adam. Remember to watch Shrinking and Ted Lasso over on Apple TV+. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's always a lovely thing to read, and I know people enjoy reading them. Thank you so much to Adam for doing the show and for giving me his time. Go watch Severance on Apple TV+, and Party Down on Stars and all sorts of other things. 
Thank you for listening. Hope you're all well. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week. <gasps> Another absolutely excellent episode. You're going to love it. And that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.